Martech Stanks, episode 15 with David Abrams. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by an operations geek, team builder, foodie, traveler, and philanthropist all rolled into one. Someone who's created, built, and sold multiple software and is now focused on building the most powerful webinar platform designed for growth. Welcome to Martech Stacked, the co-founder and CEO of Demio, David Abrams. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. What an intro. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, hopefully just uh, keeps on going <laughs> up and up from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you- can of course find David with the, the wonderful first name uh, over at demio.com. So um, uh, David, explain what Demio does and how you use marketing technology to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. So Demio is a live communication platform built to help SaaS companies fuel their growth through interactive onboarding, education, and marketing webinars. Uh, we try to fit seamlessly into any marketing stack, so appropriate for today's podcast. Uh, companies can use Demio to engage their prospects and customers in real time while also measuring results across their campaigns. And you know, we got lucky by having access to an evolving and growing WebRTC technology, the video streaming technology. We're actually probably using it right now um, and the the past behind it. So we've been really able to focus a lot of our attention on uh, the use cases of webinars, how marketers are using them and the user experience for that to run well. Um, you know, I think marketing technology for our business itself has shaped our ability to you know, learn about our customers, attract the right customers. You know, we're a marketing company, we're marketing to marketers with a marketing B2B. So it's all like one big inception of, of marketing tools that, that support us to learn about our customers, but we also wanna support those marketing stacks with our software too. So uh, a lot going on there. Lovely. And I tell you, what, I really loved your one minute elevator pitch there in terms of <laughs> describing Demi. I think a lot of founders or marketers struggle with just describing succinctly exactly what they do, what their business does. And I think you did it really well. You shared what um, you do, but you also shared of who it's relevant for, who your target market is for. So <laughs> a really good yeah. job there. Um, it took us so many iterations of that. So I'll say, you know, <laughs> it takes time. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, And also, obviously, I I love webinars. I I love producing virtual summits and podcasting as well. So I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the production of webinars and um, I guess how your tool um, technology is evolving as well. Um, But in terms of just marketing technology in general and your use of it within Demio, um, what kind of sector of marketing technology would you say is something that's running particularly fluidly and effortlessly for you at the moment? With our business at the moment, definitely I think the the customer support service side, uh, I look at Intercom as just a vital piece 
of our business in so many ways. And to us, it becomes a marketing software. I think so many of our customers come from word of mouth and referral. And a lot of what we'll hear when we see those is our customer support team was fantastic. It was a wonderful experience working with our business because of that. So in a lot of ways, customer service becomes a marketing channel for us and utilizing intercom to do things like understanding our customers and just being able to um, you know, connect with them really quickly, like under two minute response assignments with our team has been that kind of enabler. And Intercom, I think, just fits into so many areas of our business. But that's one area that I think we're really doing well. I think there's plenty of areas in our marketing technology stack that we can improve on. But that's one area that I'm like, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I think we're doing great there. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Intercom there. and we'll, we'll, we'll delve into whether or not Intercom is one of your top three tools that you're actually using there. But um, I, I love web chat. When considering new marketing technology, I tend to jump on chat. And if, if the company is responsive, um, if they can immediately answer my question without me going through lots of hoops or having to wait for the response, then I'm much mm -hmm. more likely to select that provider. So it's, it's great that you choose um, that, that type of software as, as being very important to your business. Um, so let's delve straight into the top three tools. So starting off sure. with, uh, with number three, which are your top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? So starting from number three and going up, I would have to say Active Campaign. Uh, number three, that is the CRM that we utilize. Uh, we've been using it for five years. It's just an incredible software. We have a great partnership with them too because they're just such a great company, represent a lot of similar values to us. Very easy to use, great automation builder, uh, a really nice analytical system that's kind of built in there as well. Um, so that's number three, Active Campaign. Obviously, Demio itself connects to Active Campaign in a nice way. So when we run our webinars, we can uh, send out all of that information as well. So that's been very helpful. Um, they also have a great integration through Zapier, which very helpful. Uh, the next yeah, one. Yeah, I love that. And and and, and um, so, so just to delve into no, specifically totally. Active Campaign there, just for a second there. It's funny. I, I had a conversation with Neil Schaefer um, recently for episode twelve, Martech Stacked, and his number one tool was Active Campaign. Oh yeah. Um, so you. You're saying that you've used um, Active Campaign for quite a few years, four or five years, I think you said there. Yeah. Um, why did you actually choose it to begin with instead of another um, competitor? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of CRMs out there, realistically. Uh, I was a big Infusionsoft guy, now keep for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, before Demio, I was doing a lot of uh, marketing campaigns, marketing funnel technology, and I would utilize all of the different CRMs and, and I would see them all. Active campaign really fit well with uh, pricing and scale of a business. The user interface was great. Again, I think they have some really smart ideas of how they've done integrations with their campaign builders. Um, and again, I think just the value that they have uh, the values they built into their company are, are resonating inside of their product, easy to use. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that you can basically set up also your analytics through your website and then do a campaign based on what people are doing on your website is a huge win. I mean, they, they definitely understand the total uh, life cycle of what's happening. But realistically, it's just been one that, um, you know, early on is an easy adopter to come in when you're just starting. And when we first launched Demio, it was the first platform we went with. And CRMs are one of those hard things to like churn away from, you know, like once things mm. are built out in there, you're really like, well, we can kind of build with this. Um, but it's been absolutely phenomenal for us and, and no complaints with it. It's funny that you describe it as a CRM rather than email marketing software. And um, so I presume that you don't use any additional CRM 
CRM then, um, in, addi we don't. in addition to, yeah, okay. Yeah, we use intercom, I guess, would be kind of, uh, you know, the ancillary piece to that, but we do utilize it as email marketing, but also our customer relationship manager system, which quite honestly, if we get to the point where we have like more pipeline, we are self-serve, so we don't have like a lot of sales reps and stuff like that, we would probably have to add some additional piece into that pipeline. Just to remain on Active Campaign for another second, I've talked to another couple of marketers that say they've tried Active Campaign, but they've gone back to something like ConvertKit, um, possibly because it offered too much and wasn't mm. quite suitable or covered too much for their needs. Uh, mm -hmm. Would you say Active Campaign is the best offer for, for any business out there in terms of email marketing and CRM combined, or is it just a certain type of business that it's best for? I don't know if I have the perfect answer because there are so many use cases and needs from a business. I guess it really depends on what you need. I mean, I think it's very competitive and comparable to a convert kit. Um, however, I think for what we need it for in the use cases that we have, Active Campaign fits very well. Some of the you know uh, sales things that we're sending back in from Zapier, some of the custom fields that we're using from our webinars. Um, so from like where it fits in our stack, it's perfect for us, but um, it does have a lot to it and it has a lot that you can unlock. So it does allow you to also move, like grow your business with it and not feel mm -hmm. the need that you're gonna run into uh, a lack of features or a lack of like need of that product. Okay, so you don't feel that you're likely to outgrow it anytime soon. Correct. That's probably what the best way I'm trying to say. <laughs> Great. Uh, so that was number three, uh, Active Campaign number three. What is your tool number two? Number two is Webflow. Uh, I think Webflow was an amazing addition to our business. Webflow is um, a website builder, uh, no-code website builder. And we spent so many of the early years of Demio with a web development team, building out, you know, having a designer build stuff out and then... Um, you know, small changes, we'd have to go through this process and back and forth and through GitHub and all that stuff. Uh, now we've been able to really kind of bring the website, web campaigns into the marketing team. Um, so we're able to react, adapt, build new copy, make changes, design work, really play with things so fast and so quickly. It's been phenomenal as far as increasing our workflow, productivity, and just overall output. Um, it's been a huge win for us. I was aware of Webflow, but I haven't actually used it myself. Um, were you using WordPress before Webflow? We were using WordPress. We still have WordPress for our blog, so we still use that for our blog okay. um, and some of the other sites. But uh, we were using some WordPress on the website, and then because of just speed of development, we switched to just straight HTML, CSS sites, and we we're just like, let's okay. build very you know fast beautiful sites so we had that kind of as our base but then all of a sudden you're into like spaghetti you know sites and then all of a sudden you got a lot to deal with and and so yeah it kind of changed over over time so was it just a question of of speed or or, or was it were you concerns about perhaps even security within uh, having your your main word uh, your, your main site on wordpress i don't think we had general security concerns because even with you know, WordPress, we could do a lot of security stuff, constant updates, have that web development team consistently updating it. And we still have it on our blog. So it's not like we have a fear of WordPress. I just think that Webflow, the way that they've built it, they've really considered marketing teams. They've considered the non-technical people in your business. And it really helps you to, yes, speed up that process, but also uh, take that creativity into other departments so you don't have to rely on engineering teams. And it just lets you 
uh, you know, experiment faster and all the things that you can do, uh, you know, uh, with the different technology pieces allow you to do some really cool stuff with, with your website without having to hire like big, uh, web design agencies or have like, you know, really senior website designers in and you have to worry about like speed or SEO or like, you know, how to do redirects. All that stuff is so easily, easily built into Webflow. At Content Car, we use um, Contentful uh, as the, the, the main CMS. Uh, are you aware of any major advantages or disadvantages to Webflow over uh, another CMS like Contentful? I don't think I do. I think we were recommended to Webflow by a variety of marketers, SaaS marketers in the space who just, you know, really love their brand and how easily the uh, the editor is to use. So we didn't do much competitive research when we switched to it. But, uh, you know, I think just having a no code, you know, CMS is just yeah. uh, the way to go for yeah. future teams. Sounds good. Um, and yeah, obviously, you mentioned that you still have WordPress, um, you use it for your blog, I see that um, you're hosting that on your subdomain learn.demio.com. Yep. I've always got a few concerns from an SEO perspective with having a blog on a subdomain instead of actually a folder within your, your, your main domain. Uh, have you had any kind of ranking issues because of hosting your blog on a subdomain? Yeah, certainly. And we've, we've discussed internally, what would it look like? Uh, I think originally it was demio.com forward slash learn. And then when we went into Webflow, it did change some of the structure of the site. So we went to a subdomain, learn.demio and did a lot of 301 redirects for that. And I think ultimately we would love to go back to possibly regain some of that SEO. I'm not sure what the actual damage was if there was any because our blog was so early when it was swapped it wasn't like we were losing huge rankings or anything like that but i think it's definitely like one of those discussion pieces where it's like if we were to audit you know some some quick wins right now from the seo perspective maybe we would move over to a subfolder um and just redirect everything back uh because i think the demio.com url has such a high domain rank that uh, you know, we could possibly just gain the benefit of that versus any loss of anything. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously linking cross sites between your subdomain and your domain, so it's a strong signal to search engines that it is really part of the same website. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. I haven't dived into. It. I'm not sure if you're hosting on the same server for your subdomain as you are for your yeah, your, your main website. You are exactly. So that's another strong signal for you as well. So it's it's possibly not not a major issue. Um. So so that's tool number two. Um. What is tool number one? Well, I think I already mentioned it. I kind of gave it away already, right? Intercom, <laughs> I think for us is number one. And uh, I, I just love this brand so much. I love the company. I love everything that they're doing. We have, you know, their books. We, we read their blog every day. You know, we're just huge, huge fans of, uh, of Intercom. But I think for our business, when we look at our MarTech stack, like so much is connected to Intercom. You know, we're tracking the utilization of our product in Intercom, survey data, we have our onboarding messages, product tours, our customer success teams in there, you know, product marketing comes out of there. Um, you know, all of our, uh, you know, churn reports, data analysis, um, you know, a pipeline, so much of that stuff is built into uh, Intercom. Okay, I, I also believe that Intercom has email um, kind of built into it as well. You can send emails through Intercom as well, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can send emails to certain segments. So again, you know, we have a survey when you sign up for Demio and we can 
Uh, we save all of those attributes into intercom and then we can send out like custom onboarding emails. We can send off one-off emails to you. We can send off like today we just released a brand new feature. And so like to certain segments, we had like five segments, but like if you requested this feature before in the past, we've had a flag so that we could send you a direct personal email. We can mass email all our active customers. We can launch an in-app message at the same time, control that kind of customization. Um, and then like anyone that may have like churn because of that product feature request in the past, we can send them a personal reach out email, right? Like, so it becomes very helpful for, again, that marketing part of that process, that product marketing, um, but a variety of other, you know, use cases as well. So in terms terms of email, uh, you're obviously using ActiveCampaign as well. When does the use of Intercom stop and the use of ActiveCampaign start? You know, what's a use case scenario where ActiveCampaign's better and Intercom's better? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think for our active users and anything related to um, you know onboarding, product, education, um, training, all that is really, really good inside of Intercom because we have the ability to you know talk to our um, active customers. We have all that data saved. One of the problems that we currently have with Intercom is the way that they handle legacy building. We're selling their legacy plan, uh, but with the legacy building, we get like an add up of the total number of contacts in intercom becomes our billing number. So we get so many leads and so many like trial customers in that if we just let that grow over time, that number would be like 50,000 to 100,000 contacts. I don't know, every couple of months. And that bill would just be, I don't know, $25,000. So to keep it right. in a range that we like, we do like basically trimming every week where we can just archive the contacts down to a level that we want around like 20,000, I think is kind of our estimated goal. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, we keep our bill lower uh, and it doesn't delete those contacts. It just archives them. So whenever they come back, their data and everything like that will come back to you. But what that ultimately will do for us is it'll like archive older trials or churned customers because of the filters that we're using to archive them. So again, this is uh, the system becomes really good for us to message our current active users who are like in the past 60 days a big part of the demo cycle. Outside of that, we move them all into Active Campaign. So in Active Campaign, we have a list of all of our uh, like leads who've signed up on the blog for you know a lead magnet stuff like that. It's also you know trials over the past three years. It's also all of the customers uh, churned into segments, you know, active into a segment. So if we wanted to do like a full promotion, a full market promotion, we'll use active campaign for that. If we want to do like a newsletter blast to our leads, we use active campaign for that. Um, Today with the product, like a marketing announcement that went to the entire list. Everybody that's seen Demio over the past three years, because that becomes like a marketing play to maybe reactivate or, you know, bring in new trials, check out new features, stuff like that. Brilliant. Okay. Well, you, you say it was a great question. I think it was a brilliant answer. It gives the listener a great feel for um, why trimming is so important. Obviously, trimming mm. is important from the perspective of ensuring that you're delivering messages to the person that actually wants to receive messages from you to ensure that your delivery rates as high as possible, but also from a cost perspective as well. Right. And just being as e- efficient as possible with, with moving people across within your business and delivering the, the right messages in the right time. I'd like to get a little understanding of your content marketing strategy as well. Obviously, you your product is famed for, for video. So where does video uh, webinars fit into your own content marketing strategy and what, what kind of funnel operates there? 
Yeah, so for a long time we used a uh, type of funnel webinar to bring in leads uh, and push them into a free trial. Right now that, that experiment is paused. Most of our webinars now are focused top of funnel in an educational format. So we're doing a lot of uh, partnership webinars with other SaaS companies to just do uh, open-ended education, just branding um, without really like without doing a sales type of event, just purely partnership education. And that's our education team kind of actively doing that. We also use webinars for um, Q&A and onboarding. So like just answering those questions, building relationships once people come in on the trial. Uh, we're also doing a lot of personalized video calls. Now that's one thing that we've really kind of honed in on this year. So utilizing Intercom to message certain customers on different plan types and offering them live one-on-one -on -one sessions to answer their questions. So moving away from that uh, group dynamic to also offer personal uh, video communications. For a while, we were doing um, webinars as a content strategy, doing a show similar to this. Um, that did transform into a podcast called the SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. So we've moved away from video there. Um, but last year, at the end of the year, we did do a live summit called the SaaS Breakthrough Summit, where we did it all on Demio. Some of the top uh guests on that podcast came on and we did just marketing presentation, just about marketing content, all live with guests, super engaging. It was really uh, just a great day of just pure content. And I think we're going to evolve on that this year. Um, and we're going to continue to try to find ways to figure out how does, how can we utilize webinars and video in a unique way um, for that top of funnel and kind of really just uh, build in something kind of cool and unique for marketers in the B2B space. Great. Okay, so you talk a lot about education-based content and um, non-salesy-based content. Um, does that mean that people just naturally gravitate towards your brand after they experience your educational content? Or do you have some kind of um, subtle retargeting perhaps after someone consumes your educational content to, to drive people towards a more prominent call to action? I think we definitely have a good retargeting strategy because we use uh, customer case studies, um, a lot of like non-pushy case studies that are just fun videos um, for retargeting. But I think what I mean by that is we, on those educational events, we still recommend signing up for a 14-day free trial of Demio. We still offer like a bonus to sign up, but there's no direct sale. When we were doing this top of funnel kind of sales webinar before, we were driving like cold leads to a automated webinar and the call to action was to buy a package to sign up and you know buy a you know discounted annual plan that came with all these bonuses right so we were utilizing it in the fashion of taking a cold lead and trying to move them to a direct sale at that moment and and get like an earning um for the advertisement just kind of get an epc there but We've moved away from that and it's really been more about like how can we just educate prospects around the benefits of webinars and if they're interested in using Demio, well then they can sign up for a 14 day free trial, nothing about like direct sales and letting the product do a lot of that uh, onboarding activation and the sales process for us. So when I search for Demio on YouTube, um, you don't appear to be putting kind of much effort into your YouTube channel. Obviously, you can't do every single channel, and that's obviously a strategic decision there. But when I search for Demio, you've got three reviews from independent um, podcasters or, 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 or other people on there. And then you've got your, um, your, your channel after that that's just got, uh, I think, 27 videos in there at the moment. Um, why have you decided not to focus heavily on YouTube at all? Well, I think... One, the answer is 
just the resources, time that we have. I think it's been kind of the question of like where do we attribute our time. Um, our marketing department is really still to this day me and my co-founder. Um, mm-hmm. That's really like the major parts of our marketing team. We are in the process right now of hiring for the marketing department to kind of build that out. And that may be, you know, where we go. From the uh, the day one, like when we were pre-launching Demio, I think a lot of those videos that are up in that channel are from the pre-launch of Demio. Me and Wyatt put together a YouTube show, it was called Inside Demio, where we had like a camera crew follow us around, building the infrastructure of Demio, what it was like from the ground up. Um, but our development timeline took so long that some of these episodes were just us like sitting around, like just talking about development and waiting. And it was like, after a while, it kind of just didn't have much of a flow. We didn't really have a good uh, like design of what the outcome of what that show was going to be, like who are we marketing it to, all that kind of stuff. We were just kind of like talking about the founder journey. And I think it attracted some good, you know, early stage founders, but that wasn't like the target of Demio. So we kind of canceled that show early on, built the product out, launched it, did everything else. Um, we had a, again, a video show called Demio Discover, which then transformed into SaaS Breakthrough Podcast. But uh, we just never really went back to video. Um, I think we had a good experience with it, but the YouTube channel has never been something that we've just actively said, hey, this has to be one of our channels. We've always had good success with video, which is crazy when we think about it and we say it out loud, like video advertisements have always done so well for us. Um, You know, video marketing for product releases has done well for us. you know, I think our video success stories have always done well. I don't know why we don't utilize it more, but it's just one of those things that kind of gets kind of pushed down in uh, the process of experimentation. Sure, that's fine. You, you can't do everything at the same time. and It's best not to do everything at the same time. And uh, it's, it's just good to get an understanding, I guess, why that is. Uh, one thing that you, you certainly appear to have been focusing on is, is developing relationships with influencers because you've got some some great product reviews on YouTube. And I think I actually heard of you for the first time when Pat Flynn was talking about mm. you. Is, is, is that a relationship that, um, that that you reached out to him about, about, um, about sharing your brand and what you do? We do do a lot of strategic outreach. Now we try to do that more with a lot of SaaS companies utilizing the podcast to try to build those relationships and um, really just find great uh, partnerships and stuff like that. We do have influencers as well, Pat Flynn being one of them. Um, I think most of that has been through uh, reach out a lot of ways, uh, reach out partnerships on summits, events, stuff like that, trying to find collaborative ways to do education or offers and stuff like that. Pat Flynn uh, was a unique situation where we were at, we were sponsoring an event, a converted event, lead pages, a drip event. Uh, We were there with a lot of uh, maybe like 10 other sponsors. And Pat Flynn is an advisor on the advisory board, I believe, at Lee Pages. Uh, and so he was at the event. Um, I think uh, some other people were there. But he walked up to our booth and ConvertKit was running a webinar on Demio. And we had Samcart, we had ConvertKit, both, I think, actively that day running webinars with Demio. Pat Flynn's an advisor on both of those companies as well. So when he walked over to check us out, we kind of had this you know, open-ended conversation like, hey, look, literally on our computer right now, here's ConvertKit running a live webinar. It's like, that's really cool. So you know, he, um, he doesn't like to promote brands off the bat for anything. So mm-hmm. uh, we worked together for a solid year supporting his uh, events and, and being there for him before he even you know started to promote Demio at all. Um, so it was definitely one of those just more natural organic relationships. But one of the things that 
would only happen from an event. And I think, you know, a lot of relationships that we built over the years have come from events. Obviously, that's now a little bit weird in the COVID world. But, mm. uh, you know, I still think that there's a lot to be said from just, you know, doing basic networking and, and getting relationships built. Have you attempted to mimic that face-to-face relationship building online now that um, you can't really do face-to-face events? Yeah, I think, again, that's a lot of what like the podcast does. Um, whenever you kind of have these personal conversations, ways to break through, uh, time constraints have uh, mutual value ads that can, can be done is very helpful. Um, also, you know, utilizing networks that you already have and asking uh, people that you know already to possibly reach out or connect you with other people has always been a big win for us as well. Okay, great. Well, let's swing back into your use of marketing technology and ask you, as your business grows, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? Yeah, I think uh, we still do a lot of manual uh, attribution on product usage and like our ICPs, kind of tracking that whole process of those ICPs. I don't think we have a really good, um, you know, analytical system for those things. I think Ultimately, we want to get in Mixpanel. We've had to move from Heap to Mixpanel. Um, and in this process, Mixpanel has kind of a, a tougher setup that we haven't really finished. Um, and I think that has been one thing that we really want to move into, get more automated so we can get better and faster customer insights, ICP insights for our ideal customer profile. Like, what are they doing? What do we need to do? How do where, what channels are they coming from actively? Um, I think that's just one of the areas that we really need to improve on. So you mentioned attribution there. Do you, do you have an attribution model at the moment that attempts to focus more on first click or last click or in anything in between? No, again, we were using Heap for a long time. Heap was okay. a, an amazing software. Uh, but right now, a lot of what we're just using is Google Analytics um, and just trying to look at UTM codes. And then whatever we get from Intercom is just like JavaScript endpoints. So there's no like attribution in that. Okay, and a follow-up question. What is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? Well, I think it goes right on to what I was just saying. This may be already created. This may even be segment. I really haven't gone too deep on it, but really just that marketing attribution being such a big pain point. It's like the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me this question, right? Like so much of this stuff either has a super high price point like Heap or has like a very high technical setup and like you have to spend so much time connecting everything. You know, there's so much uh, pain in trying to understand your data, understanding the attribution of that data. Like where is your, where's your best channels? Where are your best customers? Who's utilizing what? And you can see these things in like the different systems, but then you have to still like sometimes manually put them together. And again, I, I realize Segment does a lot of this stuff, but it doesn't do like for me everything perfectly because if I'm sitting here with this pain point, then I just don't know enough about it. Um, but I think just being able to uh, set KPIs and then have the data organization and the flows of those into like a single area so that we can just have like actionable outcomes would be just a game changer for us. Uh, Cross-channel attribution being one of the hardest, like, hey, someone comes to your blog and they do this and they do this and they do this. And then, you know, they become a customer with a lifetime value of X, you know, stuff like that. That'd be very helpful. Absolutely. In fact, I remember about six years ago or so, I I registered a domain name uh, with the intention of starting some kind of attribution software that um, just took some data from Google Analytics and a couple of other sources and um, made it simple for marketers to simply look at um, 
referring tra- uh, traffic sources and gain some kind of understanding of the financial value uh, that they had yes. on the, the, the end user. And you, it should be fairly simple to look at a, uh, a bit of software and just have one screen that says, focus more on this particular referring <laughs> right. source. Yeah, That's exactly, <laughs> exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like just dumb it down as much as you can for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I should have focused on, on that, but it's <laughs> difficult to do everything in this life. Yeah, um, absolutely. David, you... We've we've had a you know a great conversation. What, what would you say is the the key takeaway from the listener from today's discussion? Well, I would say um, you know definitely think about marketing attribution early. I think for us, we've done it so late in time that now we have like a mess of data that we have to try to backlog through, which is never fun. Um, I also think you know look at your marketing stack as far as like what are the values that you want to create in your business and how can you build that simply and then iterate on them. I think that's been one thing that's been great for us. It's just fast iterations, finding the things that we love, connecting them together, and then adding on top of that, adding on top of that, because it's just impossible to go in and just do like everything you want at one time. Um, so that may be the best takeaways. Great. Just just focus on one or two things and don't be afraid to change. Just just be able to, to pivot fairly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time and your tips today. What's the best way for the listener to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, probably on LinkedIn is the best. I've, I've actually gone on a bit of a digital detox this year. I just can't handle everything on social media. So I'm off a lot of the social media channels. But grab me on LinkedIn. It's David Abrams. Or just head over to Demio. Again, grab us on live chat. Say you were listening to this podcast, this episode. Uh, and I'll jump into uh, Intercom and, and have a chat with you. What have we stuff? Thank you very much, David. Thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal. Plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.